You're listening to a podcast from www.aussiewriters.com.au where we celebrate talented Australian writers and their books. Welcome to our listeners and uh, I've got another exciting Aussie Writers podcast for you today. I'm sitting in an office with an exciting new author. Quite exciting, actually. Uh, His name is Chase Scott Baker. And not only is he a writer, but he produces films as well. So welcome. Thank you. You can be my PR person from now on. That was great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have... um, I I came across uh, Che when I went to... uh, I was very lucky to be invited to a special screening of of his new uh, film that is coming out shortly. When is it coming out? Uh, TBA. So um, soon. 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 Say, say early in the new year or so. Okay. And um, it's interesting because um, I think the book, am I right, came out before the film. Is that right? So this book is, um, yeah, this, this came out uh, a couple of years ago now. Um, mm-hmm. And... The novel of Blue Ball Daughter, which is the film, has been written, but I haven't released it yet because I wanted to finish the film, have a, mm. an idea of the the um, timeline for when it was going to be released, right. and then just kind of strategically release, release the book after. Well, yeah, in 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 uh, in conjunction with so um, I haven't released this in the states yet either. Rule of Knowledge, so mm. I wanted to sort of go over there with a bit of um, everything ready to go. Fantastic. Now, folks, this is a debut novel called The Rule of Knowledge. He could change history, it says. But what's remarkable about this, and I know that um, a lot of the male readers in particular are going to get excited about this, is that Matthew Riley, you may have heard of him, (laughs) says, Scott Baker is a fantastic new talent. You can't get any better than that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was pretty lucky to get that endorsement. I'm not going to argue. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so my question is, with this novel, is it a Matthew Riley-style action, action, action novel? Um, look, I think the rule of knowledge is kind of, the best way to describe it is a bit of a cross between Indiana Jones and Back to the Future. It's a an adventure that um, I, I think... I love both of those. <laughs> oh, um, Matthew Riley readers will certainly enjoy it. It's not quite the same as a lot of Matthew's books, um, mm. but certainly has that uh, fast-paced kind of action-adventure feel to it. Mm. And um, it's uh, on the back of the book, it says, the Sydney Morning Herald says, a wild ride of a thriller that grabs attention from the opening pages and does not let go until the final twist. Mm. I got excited when I saw the final twist because there are so many books out there mm. where... There's no surprise at the ending. You know, you, you can predict it. Mm-hmm. But this is something that is not predictable, yes? Oh, look, I'd like to think that it keeps people guessing. Um, there's a real balance, actually, when you're writing this stuff where you need to be able to make, uh, say, the twist or the story plausible um, without giving it away too early, but you also don't want it to feel just contrived at the end where... Um, mm, to find you, balance, yeah, isn't it? And, and yeah. it? and it's different for every every reader, you know. Some readers mm. some readers will pick up on it early and other readers don't see it coming at all. So you've got to, you've got to weave enough, um, plant enough seeds along the way that, mm. you know, someone could work some stuff out. 
It seems to have elements of the Da Vinci Code too. I'm thinking here a strange package seems to be the key. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think it's um, I think Da Vinci Code readers will enjoy it. Um, yeah. Okay, well, um, let's go back to your, your exciting history. You were working on a very famous film in New Zealand for a little while. Tell oh. us about that experience. Oh, yeah, there was a little indie film going on uh, called The Hobbit. Um <laughs> So there was a, that was a trilogy of films and we shot uh, the three films consecutively or, or sort of um, not even consecutively at the same time. So one day you might be filming scene six from film one, the next day you could be filming scene 13 from film three. What so, an adrenaline rush for you. Oh, look, yeah. I mean, it, the, the novelty wears off after the, uh, the first 16-hour day, um, but we, oh. would, we were sort of doing you know 14 to 16-hour days, six days mm-hmm. a week for a couple of years so and what was your your job your your description so officially i was the on-set colorist which basically meant that i did the color grading sitting on set um interacting with the director of photography andrew lesney um and is that done by computer is it yes ignorant amongst us so basically (laughs) what happens is when you you film um the cameras that they use these digital cameras they capture a lot of Color information and a lot of uh, black and white information. Right. Um, and then when you get that file or that picture, you can actually, it, it looks almost black and white, like it looks very, what we call flat, very low contrast. Um, so what that means is that you can actually push that picture around in lots of different ways and, and give it a, a particular look. Um, and from that, uh, the cinematographer and the director can adjust the lighting on set or they can change some things or they can um, have a look to see if what they're they're shooting is working how it's going to look sort of closer to at the end of the day and so I my job was to create some looks give them some options um, and then when they worked out what they liked I would literally send that uh, in an email down to the the lab the digital lab and they would apply that look to that scene um for when you know all the the rest of the footage sort of came out so it was yeah it was interesting but i also did a lot of the the stereoscopic 3d stuff um because at the time that was all pretty new shooting in 3d it's a wonderful experience and it occurs to me when i go on your website which is has the same name as the book the rule of knowledge that you have amazing um book trailers (laughs) which i just think are so important and for those people who are writing books you know movie trailers drive you into the movie and Mm. book trailers drive you to the bookshop so it's something well worth um, investing in so you make all your own trailers yes yeah so um for rule of knowledge if you go to ruleofknowledge.com there's a couple of book trailers on there there's a a bit of a teaser and then um more of a trailer and that was Mm. i was trying to do something a little bit different um Mm. Because, like you say, being a, an unknown author coming out in this incredibly noisy environment where there's you know lots of stuff coming out all the time, mm. you, you've got to find some way to have a point of difference. Mm-hmm. And, and Hatchet Australia is the publisher, so obviously they were impressed. Yeah, they um, they certainly liked someone being proactive. I think when they had to do a little less. <laughs> Yes, and so what is the sequence of um, you were working in New Zealand on that film and then and then you wrote the book, The Rule of Knowledge? Um, so really I wrote The Rule of Knowledge uh, about 
oh, quite a while ago now, about 10 years ago for the first draft. Um, and, you know... I, I, it's been percolating, has it, for all yeah, this I guess, time? Yeah, I guess the thing is, it takes, <laughs> what did I say, it took me three months to write and seven years to get published with, with that book. Um, but when I was uh, in New Zealand, um, I had a bit of downtime on set in between... Uh, in between doing my job so I, I sort of gave it another revision and it was about the same time it's funny how one thing feeds into the other I think because I was working on a, a well-known film it made the publishers at least pay attention to who I was and that got me a look in um, so that they would at least have a look at the, the work and then you know it sort of wouldn't go on their slush pile <laughs> yeah yeah and, and I think that's that's part of the uh that's part of the challenge is just getting noticed, you know, because mm. um, there's a lot of really good books and there's a lot of really good writers. Mm. But, you know, there's so many gatekeepers to get through to actually get it and out. And, of course, you know, there are a lot of good writers, but there are many, many poor writers as well. And being, you know, an e- e-book yeah, generation, sure. it's full of terrible books. Right. So you can't... You can't blame um, the publishers mm. who want want a sure thing because it's such a cutthroat business. It really isn't is. It? Yep. Um, but I still think that um, personally that it's worthwhile um, self publishing. Would you ever consider self publishing, or, or are you happy to? Um... Yeah. Look, I think the landscape's changed a lot. Um, self publishing, I think, when it first came out, was the poor cousin. Um, mm. I think that's certainly not the case anymore. Mm. Um, People are very resistant to change, aren't they? They are. And, and look, financially, self-publishing could be a lot more rewarding. Um, for me personally, um, you know, the, the decision was to try and go with a major first because it gave me a bit more reach and a bit more, I guess, credibility in one way to open the door to other things. Um, you know, financially, I probably would have been much better off um, self-publishing, but um, that wasn't the goal. That wasn't sort of the, the outcome that I was after to start with. I wanted, um, I wanted a, you know, a, a book that had been published by a publisher. So then when I was trying to raise money for my film, I had something that I could legitimately say, you know, someone had taken a chance on me already. And those little things sort of help. They do. They add up, don't yep. they? And, of course, a film costs just a little bit more than a book. <laughs> yeah. Um, How are you going with the fundraising? Yeah, look, it's, it's um, you know, if you want to blow up an aircraft carrier in a book, you write it and it's done. Um, if you want to do it in a film, you have to work out... Uh, you know, how everyone's not going to get burned, you know, make sure it's not raining, you have to get an aircraft carrier. Um, so it's a, it's a very different set of considerations that go into it. Um, how long did it take you to make the film? The film was about, go to well, about three years. I think the first year and a bit was was purely just fundraising um, and doing, doing all the paperwork that um, is required to mitigate the risk for the investors and that sort of stuff. Um, and then... Shooting, we sort of shot for about five weeks, what you call principal photography, which is the main bulk of the shoot. And then for the next year or so, it was me running out with friends with the camera, getting little what we call pickups along the way um, while doing the the post-production, so doing the editing and the visual effects and the music and the sound and everything. Did you by any chance do uh, something to do with movie making at school when you were, you know, were Um, you interested in this area a long time ago or? yeah so to to be honest I I um I was finishing high school and my 
was my Taekwondo instructor at the time I was speaking to. And I was interested in everything from astrophysics to sports science to what I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And he said, what would you do if you didn't have to make a living? And I said, oh, well, I'd make movies. And he said, we'll do that because if you do something you love, you'll be good at it. And if you're good enough at anything, you'll be able to make money at it. That's really wise advice. It was very wise, you? yes. Yeah. Um, and so didn't say it would be easy, though. Didn't throw that part in. It wasn't. Um, but I, I went to uh, university for television film production. Um, wow. I did an exchange to the States, uh, to North Carolina, doing that same thing. Um, and oh, then, right. so you've got quite experience, you know, a lot of experience. I've been, yeah, I've been plugging away for a long time. And I lectured at ANU for about six years, sort of teaching their digital video. So I was oh. very much involved with the education of this stuff um, for a long time. But they're just different mediums to tell stories, really. Mm. So, so is there going to be a second book? We have a movie. We have a book. What's next? Yeah. So I've written uh, the rule. Sorry, the the book Blue World Order, the novel, has been sitting there, finished for about a year and a bit. Right. Um, so that's sort of ready to go. And then um, the there's another two books that have one is nearly finished. The third one's nearly finished, and the fourth one's all mapped out. And is it a series? Well, um, you don't realise it. Well, now I'm giving it away, but they all exist in the same universe. Um, oh. They're kind of standalone stories, but then you, you realise that they're tied together. And by the by the fourth book, it's very much... Um, Obvious. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good thing for a writer to do. And I always say to people, you know, if you've got one book, make sure the second one's coming soon. Because mm. if people love what you do... Obviously, they're going to want more. So a series is a great idea and standalone is an even better idea mm. so that they don't have to start at book one and work yeah. their way through. Look, it's certainly been a... I guess the, the challenge with what I've done is the first book came out and then I did the film before the second book. So I've got a lot of people sort of going, where's the next thing? <laughs> so <laughs> You poor thing. <laughs> we'll see, yeah. But it... And you love it, so that's all right. Um, tell me about the writing style. The writing a novel and writing a, a script for a mm. film is—they're two totally different things, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. Um, firstly, the language that you use is quite different. Um, you know, a novel, depending on how you write it, but I write sort of you know past tense and whatnot, um, third person. Whereas you're writing a script, it's all very present. Um, it has to be very concise. And it's not at all flowery. Um, dialogue's quite difficult to do. Actually, dialogue and sex scenes are the two diff yeah. the most difficult things. Dialogue in sex scenes would be even more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's not go there. <laughs> um, so, so the thing I noticed about the film and and the book is is the fast pace, the mm -hmm. excitement. Um, as you said, it's it's like those early films that were so so popular. Mm. Um, do you find that um, when you're writing, you know, do you write in great chunks? Do you get, you know, do you get absorbed in the whole thing? Or, you know, what's your writing pace? Look, for me personally, um, when I get time to write, which is, you know, it sort of comes in waves where I have a bit more time, um, I'm quite, I'm one of those people that I've got a lot going on and I sit down and it's, it's mental vomit onto the page. It just, it just flows. Um, 
And I think a lot of that is, like you said before, because it's always percolating when I'm not actually sitting down and writing. There are a lot of writers that I'm friends with who sit down for two hours a day and they, you know, very disciplined, dis- disciplined writers. And, and that's fantastic. For me personally, um, you know, I need to work to make a living. So I don't have that luxury yet. Um, but when I sit down, I, I guess I'm quite prolific and quite fast um, as a as a writer. Um, a friend of mine, um, he writes ridiculously, you know, writes a lot, but he's still two-finger touch type, you know, and so it's... Um, so just the physical speed of things, I think, makes a difference. Um, and, um, I, you know... Uh, I know that uh, Matthew Riley, I read on the website that Matthew Riley lent, lent you a very special car for, <laughs> to play with as well as to have in the film. So yeah. tell me about that car. So, uh, yeah, Matthew owns a DeLorean um, and he had it converted over um, to uh, right-hand drive in for having it in Australia. But then Matthew moved over to LA and he couldn't take it with him because it had been converted. So... Gee, he needed to store it somewhere. So, um, I so he's living in LA. Now. He's living in LA, yeah. Right, so right. I, I took um, I took care of that for him, and I said, "Oh, by the way, while I've got it, can I uh, can I use it in the film?" And um, graciously, he said yes until he saw the rushes of me racing it across Lake George, um, being chased by a bunch of Mad Max cars, and uh, he went a little little pale. But I think he said, "You know what price for movie history?" So that was okay. That's that fantastic good. that he's supporting you. Obviously, you are very talented because he wouldn't do that if you weren't. Um, and um, so, so this is all sci-fi stuff. The the, the films sci-fi, the books are sci-fi. Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Look, I or speculative. Yeah. At, at the moment, it's not. It's not full. Um, for me, the most interesting stuff is something that is plausible. Um. I think the most important thing a writer or a filmmaker can do is make sure that whatever happens is plausible in whatever universe they set up. That's you know? a speculative type like Margaret Atwood novel, yeah. you know, this 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 could happen if we don't do yeah, something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, I want my stuff to be, you know, there's always, there's usually an element of real science that is kind of, this is where we're at at the moment, but this is what's just around the corner and quite possible. Um, and, and that's what makes it scary. Yeah, and, exactly, and, yeah. And uh, I think I think when you can capture that, oh, my goodness, is this going to happen? You know, what can we do? So I think that, um, you know, because really it's about all of us at the end. It's the human story, you know, and, and where we're going and where we've been. That's right, yeah. And, yeah. and I, I think the... Um, for me, the most important thing with all the stories is, like you say, it's a it's a human story, and the mediums of film and books are the way that you can actually affect the way people think. And um, my, I guess, my personal mission in life, if I'm getting a bit deeper, is to try and help people treat each other a little bit better. And I think when your you... generation is amazing in terms of, you know, I have. I have kids your age right. <laughs> in your generation and I'm I'm just I'm absolutely astounded at how much they care about you know the planet and, right. and, and where we're going and you know I think for me it's it's comforting to know that the future is in good hands <laughs> well I, I thought so too until the election the other day in the states oh, but anyway let's not yeah, go there gosh. either 
So let's just talk about the positives. So um, you um, the book actually goes by the name you go by the name of Scott Baker mm-hmm. for the book. And um, for the future books, you'll use Scott Baker. Will that be your nom de plume? Yeah, <laughs> look, I, I think so. It's, it's actually a bit of a um, something we're thinking about right now. Um, but most likely, yes. Mm. Because I, I suppose um, Che is a, is a fabulous name for movies, <laughs> isn't it? Look, it's, um, you know, the thing about Che is it's the publishers thought it was too um, foreign, too ethnic for an Australian th- thriller audience and you know i i guess i had to defer to their better judgment at the time um i said you can call me sharon for all i care just publish a book (laughs) at at that point um but you know i've come to recognize that it's it's actually not too bad to have um Mm. people not necessarily knowing your your real first name um when you're doing this because it, it does give you just a, a little level of anonymity which can which can help um but in saying that look i think che is a, a memorable name yes. um, once people actually work it out uh so there's a good chance that you know when i sort of go internationally it, it, mm. it could change particularly for the um you know for the films that's exciting isn't mm. it are they going to take this book uh, internationally as well well, that, that one's been uh, that's been published in Turkey and Bulgaria at the moment. Um, I reserved all my sort of North American rights and things because I wanted to wait until I had a couple um, up my sleeve before I sort of went over there. So, um, and of course, when the, when the when the movie explodes, yeah, of <laughs> then uh, <laughs> you have to think like this that's because right. that's and I've seen it. So every chance I can tell you, it's a very exciting action. Oh, thank um, you. And the acting, and in fact, you have another very famous person in this film. Tell us about him. Oh, which one is that? Hang on. Oh, oh uh, Mr. Zane, Mr. are you talking? Thompson? Oh yeah, Jack. Jack okay, Thompson. Yeah. So we've got, slightly famous. We've got Jack Thompson, we've got Billy Zane, we've got yes. Bruce Spence. Um, we've got Actually, Steve... they're all famous, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're not, not too bad. Yeah. Stephen Hunter, who's um, he's Bomber from The Hobbit. Yeah. He's the, the Great. big fat dwarf. Um, and how did you manage to get all of this talent together? Was that you chasing these people? Oh, it's all magic. It's movie magic. Um, <laughs> look, to be Secrets. honest, that's... Well, it's not. It's just... Um, it's, it's hard work. It's hard work. Um, in very non-traditional ways a lot of the time of um, investing in networking and investing in connections and making sure you, you know, people say, oh, it's all about who you know, and and very often it is, but that's not a mistake. It's not luck, you know. You make an effort to get to know people. You make an effort to go to networking events or meet people or... um, People who you admire in the field that you're in. Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, you know, with these books, I suppose as a kid you read a lot of uh, um, sci-fi or speculative texts too. Yeah, look, I, I think I read a lot of um, I read a lot of fantasy as a kid. Um, as a teenager, I read a lot of David Eddings and mm-hmm. Margaret Wisson, Tracy Hickman and, um, you know, th- those kind of... Did you um, have a great English teacher? Sometimes English teachers listen to us... <laughs> Maybe, hang on, I've got to be careful now. I remember a couple of them that were, yeah, they were, they were quite, they were okay. <laughs> All right. I actually had a really good science teacher in, I think it was year eight or nine, who is kind of the, actually this was a funny story, 
he was the basis for my lead character in this. Oh, and, high um, school teacher Sean Strickland. Mm, um, yeah. And I was in, uh, I'd just come out of the movies in Monica and I wandered into Paper Chain Bookstore in Monica mm, mm. and I saw this guy walk past. And I went up to him and I said, Excuse me, mate, is your name Dean? And he kind of looked at me. He went, Yeah. And I introduced myself again. And, um, and he was, you know, he was amazed that I recognised him. Um, and this was in, at Lithgow High School in, you know, 1992 Whatever. or three or something. <laughs> yes. um, and then I had this moment where I'm like, I, I need to give you something. And my, sh- my book happened to be on the shelf. So I grabbed my book and I bought it for him and signed it and gave it to him. And I said, you know, you made a real difference in my life. And oh, this, um, this book, the Lee characters, you know, inspired yeah. by you. And I think that's probably the weirdest thing that's ever happened to him. And he, oh, his daughter, we teared up. Well, actually, his daughter said to me, I've never seen my dad cry before. And yeah, he, there you go. Yeah, so oh, that, that was wonderful. Quite when, a good you can touch, when you can touch people's lives and he touched yours. So it's mm. a wonderful gift in return. So. Let's just, um, I could talk to you forever, but we do have to finish up. Um, So let's just talk about the future. What excites you more, filmmaking or writing? Will there be more novels, more films? What do you think? Yeah, look, absolutely both. Um, You know, certainly certainly books are much easier to do because it's just you and bums on seats and your, you know, your time. Films are fantastic, but they are a massive collaborative effort and they're very expensive. I'm trying to help get things moving um, locally so that we can have some regular film, you know, some sustainable industry here. Um, but there's certainly... And we uh, are getting there in Canberra. We've got quite quite a few foreign uh, foreign crews coming here and making films. And, yeah. Uh, so it's good that we have some locals as well. <laughs> yeah, I've got... Uh, I'm quite opinionated about all that for another time. <laughs> um, so it's, um, yeah, something that we can we can hopefully um, get going. And, and I think we've got a real opportunity in, in Canberra to create some really good content to mm. sort of ship out to the world. Um, but yes, and the certainly. Australian film industry is really now, it's, it's world class. Oh, absolutely. I, I just, and some of the films they've made in Canberra, I'm, I'm a real fan of um, the latest films that, you know, have feature Canberra and, mm-hmm. and uh, that series Yep. Now, what was that series called? Oh, there, was, absolutely, um, um, there was Secret City and The Code, both The Code, yeah. The Code, yeah. absolutely mesmerised me. Yeah, great. And uh, great actors and yeah. great films that come out. and um, Yeah, so um, I think um, that you have an enormously wonderful future and um, I hope to have you back when you're very, very famous <laughs> to come back and next week, talk. Right? Yeah, no, uh, yeah, yeah, next week. And uh, and we'll catch up with you again, certainly when your second book goes out and the film's out. Great. You're on to the third one. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So um, it's ruleofknowledge.com for the book and bwomovie.com for the film. And the BWO stands for? Blue World Order. Blue World Order. Fabulous film. You're going to have to see it. Thanks very much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from www.aussiewriters.com.au and if you are a reader or a writer, then hop on over to our website and subscribe. <laughs>